Ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of The Swim Special. This week we had on the brilliant Anna Hopkin. Anna came on and uh, we talked about an array of things. She's an incredibly intelligent, very interesting person and it was an absolute pleasure to get her on. She is uh, she she started, I suppose, back swimming. Um, she had a little bit of a break during her teenage years. She started back at the University of Bath. She then went on to the University of Arkansas, where she really, really had a breakthrough year. And um, this season, back home um, in the UK with uh, Mel Marshall at Loughborough, she's had an absolutely fantastic season and qualified for her first Olympic Games. So it isn't exactly a bad season for Anna so far. Uh, we're all we're all going to be watching her progress really, really intently in the build-up to Tokyo and hope that she does the best possible swim she can there. It was absolutely brilliant to get her on. She, she was absolutely wonderful. So without further ado, Anna Hopkin. Miss Anna Hopkin, the pocket rocker herself, thank you so much for coming on. It's an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you for having me. Not a problem. Now, Anna, I was... So delighted to have you on because you break the mould for elite swim because you prove that you don't have to be six foot five to be successful in the sport. What's it like when you're at these big international meets and you're against these incredibly impressive athletes and you know that because of the hard work and dedication you've put in into training that you can come out on top nine times out of ten? Yeah, I think it's... Um... I guess because of my height, I am generally smaller for a sprinter, but I've never seen that as a barrier, really. Um, I obviously have strengths that other people don't, being smaller, have a high power-to-weight ratio, and I think there's no point. I mean, I can't change it. I can't grow, so I may as well just accept it. And, um, you know, that's it is what it is, and um, go into each race kind of just with the mentality that I've done just as much work as anyone else in that race and I have every chance of beating any of them as well. Yeah. And when was it that you sort of realised that you could actually use it to your advantage? You were talking about your power-to-weight ratio then. Um, has that been a discussion with coaches? Is that something that you sort of stumbled upon when you were racing? When did you sort of come to that conclusion? I think when I was younger, I did quite a lot of gymnastics and you know, I, I could do like pull-ups for ages and sort of hold handstands, go up to handstands from the floor. Like I've always had really good upper body strength without really knowing it or like specifically trying to like make it better when I was younger. It was just kind of naturally there. And so when I've used that in swimming, it's obviously a huge benefit. And then I guess knowing that we've just built on that and kind of used it to my advantage even more um so I guess that's kind of a big thing we've been working on but generally the technical side of things I think I've really been focusing on because I am obviously smaller I try to reach further per stroke like really focus on my distance per stroke to kind of make the most of the height that I do have um so and then obviously power through every long stroke kind of just gives me as much distance as I can really yeah no brilliant I mean it's certainly um that work certainly coming to fruition uh recently that's for sure um you just uh touched on a little bit how you uh you did other sports when you were younger um you where did you you is it right that you're from Lancashire did you start swimming up there whereabouts where and when did you start swimming 
So I started when I was, I mean, I probably joined my first club when I was about eight and that was Chorley Marlins, um, which is a town in Lancashire. And then I joined the Lancashire squad, which was Gallica when I was 10. And that was when I kind of started to take it really seriously um, and, you know, qualified for nationals, things like that. Um, and I did do other sports when I was younger, but then obviously swimming kind of took over. And then that kind of like almost got too much, a bit too intense too soon. And so I kind of took a back seat from swimming and almost like took up every other sport that I kind of wished I hadn't stopped um, and just kind of went a bit crazy with it, but loved it because I had so much variety and I was always busy, but always doing different things. And then since I've got older, I've kind of come back to swimming again. Um, so it's been a bit of an odd journey, but um, you know, I've, I've, I feel like I've made the most of every second. Yeah, that's definitely um, that's definitely not the most orthodox career, I suppose, and progression throughout the ranks. What um, what other sports did you take up? What other sports interested you the most? I've always loved gymnastics. I did that. I probably did that and swimming quite seriously when I was sort of eight, nine, ten, and then I had to stop gymnastics for swimming. So I picked that up back up again. I did trampolining, cheerleading at my high school. Um, I've always sort of ran cross country for the school and did like athletics and things. And then um, did the odd biathlon. So combining the running and the swimming. Um, okay, wow. Yeah, it's quite a lot of different things. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely that's definitely a, a little concoction of sports there. Um, so when you did this, the biathlons, I suppose, and the running, um, did you, you must have, when you got back into swimming, you still must have had a good cardio base to sort of build on. When Did you keep swimming a little bit throughout those years when you'd stopped seriously? Or did you have a period of a couple of years where you literally, you didn't even see a pool? I always kept sort of dip my toe in. Like it was, it was probably a four year period where I was training maybe two or three times a week for maybe an hour at a time. Um, so I guess like I, I still had the feel for the water and then I guess the cardio came a lot from running um, and the strength a lot from gymnastics and I guess flexibility from gymnastics as well. So all the components were there from different sports. It was just when I did eventually get back into swimming, it was a bit of a shock to the system initially, but I think I was able to pick it back up quite quickly because I still had a really good base. Yeah. And how about your, um, how about running now? Is that still a hobby of yours? Is your Strava, is your Strava impressive watch or um, have you, do you not do any more running at the minute? Um, I guess during the first lockdown, I did get quite into running. Um, it's definitely my preferred form of cardio over like biking. Um, cause I had a static bike as well over lockdown, but I just, hated the fact that I wasn't moving anywhere it was so boring <laughs> and so like I tended to go out for like runs and I do like 10k runs like three times a week I think but then wow I kind of just went in a bit too full-on with it I think and then I kind of got a little niggle in my hip and I was like okay I'm not a runner I need to step back a little bit um but yeah I actually really enjoyed that just like the fresh air and obviously it was really nice weather during that first lockdown so it's just like being outside is obviously something we don't get in swimming and so I just enjoyed that freedom yeah. and fresh air. Yeah do you uh have you ever considered well I suppose you're a sprinter but have you ever do you ever consider doing a bit of training in open water or have you said go you know having that out 
the going outside is not something not a privilege frequently afforded to swimmers is that something that's crossed your mind at all or not not really i'm like i'm not so good with the open water i think it's like not knowing what's underneath and the cold and it's a bit murky and all of that it's just and i like a nice clean pool yeah. it would be nice if we had really hot weather all the time in england and we had an open air pool that would be ideal but it's not <laughs> yeah <Probably> not <laughs> yeah definitely not anytime soon if it does then let me know because i'd love yeah. to be there myself but um talking about other sports growing up i mean you're obviously somebody that's really really interested in sport in general um you talk about gymnastics trampoline and what have you growing up was there anybody any sports people in particular that you sort of you um you looked up to that sort of encouraged you to go into sport i've read i read somewhere that you managed to get to the uh, london 2012 olympics to watch a few events did that have an impact on your desire to be involved in sport yeah i've always been like my, my whole family is so sporty and always love sport like we watched the athletics at commonwealth games 2002 in manchester um and the diving as well uh we went to see one of the uh gymnastics world cups or something like that that were held in um in surrey one time um, and i got to go down and like get beth tweddle's autograph um and then we went to like the the short course world champs which were in uh, swimming which were in manchester the, in the men that was really cool and went to the world championship athletics which was in london in 2017 i think so I feel like I've always been really exposed to very high level sport and I've absolutely loved watching it no matter what sport it is. And I think it's probably probably people like, you know, Beth Tweddle and Jess Ennis, who I've kind of watched in other sports that have just really motivated me to get involved in a range of different sports. Yeah, no, Jess Ennis is, is um, well, Beth Tweddle, she's a, a bit of a, a superstar around where I'm from. Um, but yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and um, I mean Jess Ennis is amazing. The fact that she she got the the gold in in twenty twelve. I think I think she then had a baby and then came back Incredible, and then got yeah. a silver in Rio. I mean, which is just ludicrous in yeah, in itself. Amazing. It's ridiculous the fact <laughs> that she managed to do that. But I mean, in terms of those stars, you're going to be joining them this summer. The world sports stars. You're going to be right in the mix in Tokyo with them. I saw the other day that you were just telling me before how. Um, recently you've been to get like kitted out with your Olympic gear and things like that. What do, what do you guys, first of all, how was that? And what do you guys get given? What do, what do Olympians get given before they get on the plane to Tokyo? Yeah, it was an incredible day. I think it's just one of those moments that like it starts to become real when you like put on the kit and you have the rings and the Team GB on your kit and it's like it feels more real now and obviously we're getting closer and closer to when we leave and we were having like logistics meetings about flight times and had showed a video of what the accommodation looks like and what the pool venue looks like. And so it's all just like, wow, this is actually happening now. Um, and in terms of what we got, it was just like, you know, you get like your opening and closing ceremony kit, not that we might, we probably won't be able to go to either, but, and then formal wear and shoes and all your Adidas, um, you know training gear and all of that and then there's just like yeah it is crazy like you get given like three bags full of stuff and it's all like branded with the olympic rings and it's just like really cool that's yeah. awesome 
Yeah, that that is something that I yeah you can certainly keep that for life, and that will always uh, that will that will be special forever. What's the um, what, what's the plan for going out there? Are you guys going out a couple of weeks before to acclimatise to the time zone differences? I suppose that could be slightly difficult with COVID though. How 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 um how much earlier than the games are you going out there? So we'll go out two weeks before the swimming starts, which should be enough time to kind of get over jet lag and um yeah get back sort of get back into training and adjust and everything um obviously it will be different with covid in terms of testing and once we get to the holding camp we're just gonna that is just kind of it like we obviously can't go off into japan or you know tokyo kind of have a look around which um in worlds 2019 we were at the same place and the same holding camp so it will be quite a different experience probably but the place we have is it has some great facilities so we've got everything we need there brilliant and um you'll be with the rest of um team gb especially well obviously the swimming guys you guys uh, uh, recently um absolutely killed and steamed through the european championships yourself getting um, I think four golds in, in four relays there and a, and a bronze as well. Um, it seems like the team is absolutely buzzing at the moment. And it must be great to be a part of. Is that an added, um, an added, well, thing, um, an added reason for excitement for going out to the Tokyo at the moment? Just because the whole, it seems like the rapport within the team is is brilliant at the minute. Yeah, definitely. I think Europeans was a real like shift, I think, for the team. Um like everyone was pulling out incredible performances and it wasn't the focal meet of the year. Obviously, you know, the Olympics is the big one. So to be at that point there only a few weeks after trials when, you know, we tapered for that and it was kind of back into training between that and the Europeans and for the whole team to be at such a high level and our relays to be so dominant. I think it just like, it's just really exciting to see where we can be by Olympics really. And I think, in a lot of relays, we are potentially the underdogs, but I think that's quite a nice position to be in. Like we know where we're at, and I think we have some really good potential to challenge for medals in some of those relays. No, definitely, definitely. Uh, yeah, I'll be um, I'll be cheering along in me in my living room for sure. That's that's a uh, there's no doubt about that one. Um, in terms of just the Olympics, obviously it's Olympic year, important year. Um, how was the lead up to trials? Was there obviously you came back from America last year, and then you've had you've been in Loughborough this year? Um, how was that? Did you, because it was Olympic year, because there was so much on the line. Was there any added pressure, added nerves in the build up to trials and Europeans, or how did you sort of deal with that? Yeah, I think knowing how like where I was last year, I was in a really good place, um, and obviously when the when the NCAAs got cancelled and so then I flew home back to the UK and that was a week before lockdown and so I had a week training in Loughborough and then lockdown happened and we were on to Zoom and all that um but it was there was a bit of added pressure kind of knowing how close I was last year to making the team um and being in such a good position to do so I didn't want to kind of let myself down this year and pass up the opportunity um and so I think we had well we had a couple sort of prep meets in Manchester before trials and 
I mean, for the first couple of long course races, looking back, they were they were pretty good, actually. I should have been a lot happier with them than I was. But I think my expectations were just like I just wanted a really good time on the board to give myself confidence. And, you know, Mel kept saying to me, like, you shouldn't be so disappointed with them. Like that, they're good times and we're in really hard training and like you're in a good place. And I think I just needed that sort of validation to give me confidence and I did have a couple good swims like there which I was happy with but so going into trials I was kind of just like not sure how it was going to go but after my first after the heat swim I felt really good and kind of gave me a lot of confidence going into the final and I think since then since having that validation I've just felt so much more confident in my training and my racing and you know I think that showed at Europeans and then at Glasgow as well yeah and it's certainly it's certainly a good time to be uh, to be hitting a little bit of momentum. That's for sure. Do you think um, Do you think in general you can be quite harsh on yourself? Um, you know, if if your performances aren't up to the standards that you really really want them to be, and do you think that might have actually helped you in your swimming career to progress as far as you have? Yeah, I think I am very harsh on myself, and I'm. Um, I don't know. I think <laughs> I, I sometimes let like one bag swim. I'm just like. Oh, it's all bad. It's terrible. Like that. The whole weekend, the whole, it doesn't matter whatever you do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And like, I am getting better at kind of changing my mentality. And like, obviously if you have one bad swim, you have to switch up and be like, okay, put that behind me, move on. I'm getting a lot better at that. But I think this year in particular, just because I had no sort of previous or recent competitions to be like, okay, that wasn't a great swim, but I did a really good swim a few weeks ago. And so I know I'm in a good place. I'm just more tired or whatever. I didn't have that sort of at the start of this year because we hadn't raced for so long. And I think that was why I found it so much harder this year to kind of talk myself out of those like negative thoughts. Um, But now I'm in a place where I know how good my training is and my competitions have been really good. My times have been really consistent. And so I think I'm kind of moved past that now, but it definitely does give you more motivation. Like when you're not happy with a swim, you just want to improve it. And that can be a good thing, but also sometimes like say at Manchester, I'd do one swim I wasn't happy with. And then you get into the final and you're like, I'm just going to like go all out. And like, and you kind of need to (laughs) think about your race more, you know, pace it well and technically think of not just like go all out from the start that's never going to work so um I think I kind of realized that quite quickly was you know just to stay relaxed stay calm and know that I am in a good place yeah yeah for sure I suppose that balance is as you were saying yeah between being harsh on yourself such that you constantly improve but also not being too harsh that you tense up so much yeah, exactly. uh, but yeah I mean, just just sort of heading heading back now. Um, you you obviously we talked about how you tried other sports, and then you got back into swimming um, slightly more seriously. What prompted you to think, you know what? I've done these other sports now. I've I've you know I've had my I've I've done what I needed to do with them, and now it's time to get back into swimming. To be honest, it was mainly just transitioning into uni. I just wanted to be part of a team again and compete as part of a team again because I was obviously doing lots of different sports and I was competing in a few of them I wasn't necessarily doing loads of swimming competitions but I guess because I'd already decided I wanted to go to Bath because it was 
a really good uni for my course so it's kind of like chose to go there irrelevant of the swimming but obviously it was a big bonus that the swimming was so good there um but I knew that if I wanted to swim at Bath I couldn't really do it half-heartedly it was either you know be part of the team and be committed to it or don't do it and so in the kind of year leading up to uni I didn't have many times on the board and so I needed to do a few competitions just to show the coach where I was at and you know show him like I was good enough to be in the team um and so I did do a, a few competitions um I mainly did like 50 fly and 53 because obviously I didn't have a huge you know aerobic background in swimming the last sort of four years so I kind of couldn't really do much more than a 50 at that point but he sort of decided you know that my times were good enough to get into the team and so and then when I joined we had a really specific sprint program which I'd never really experienced before and I really benefited from that and my 50s really improved and then kind of over the next couple years at Bath we obviously then pushed on to the 100 and started doing a bit higher volume and working more on 100 speed and so it was quite a gradual progression and when I first started I definitely didn't think it was going to go beyond just competing at books really and then after sort of the first year and a half I realized like I was improving quite quickly and making British champs and then you know started to like knock on the door and making teams and things and so that was kind of a switch in mentality realizing I could actually go somewhere with it. Yeah god did you uh when you joined did you go straight into the sort of the top squad or did you maybe go to a, a junior squad and then build yourself back up? It was quite interesting actually because so my first year at Bath the 50 meter pool was being redone so we were training in a 25 meter uh, school pool which was like shallow and warm and had like really bad lane ropes and everything um and so they'd shifted up all the training times we had to train from 5 to 6 30 every morning monday to friday and then saturday evening and that was all the training time they had so it was a maximum of six sessions a week and that was the sprint squad and then the uh longer distance guys traveled to bristol to train in a 50 meter pool and they got more pool time which is why it was such a specific sprint program because we had a short pool and so little time like pool time it was just pure sprint but when I first saw those pool times like five till six day <laughs> I hadn't done mornings for about five years and I emailed the coach and I just said um I think I'm just going to leave swimming for this year I just if I'm being honest I don't think I can do Monday to Friday morning five to six thirty I just don't think I can do it and I never asked for like special consideration. I never asked him to give me less sessions. I just said, I'll leave it for this year and I'll apply, like trial again next year. But he obviously saw something in me and he said, you know, considering you've only been swimming two, three times a week anyway, we can just stick it three times a week for the, until we get the pool back, which was amazing of him and was really good for me because that was still a step up in terms of volume. And I was then in the gym. So even though it was only three times a week, I was still kind of stepping up from what I'd done before. So I was still able to improve quite a lot with that. And I think if he hadn't said that and allowed me to do that, I don't know if I would have then got back into it a year later, because then that's another year where I haven't really trained. So, yeah, yeah very, God. very happy. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that, that's, yeah that, that sounds very intense. I mean, most, um, 
most uni students complain about the old 9am and you're getting up at 5am or what have you to, to do every morning. That's, um, yeah, God, that's, that's, I mean, that's brilliant how, I suppose, you were able to sort of gradually get back into it. You, you mentioned how you improved straight away. Was that, um, was there a moment when you were at Bath where you sort of plateaued a bit at all? Or was it a constant improvement over the years there? I'd say... 2018 I probably plateaued a little bit um so I joined Bath in September 2014 and I was sort of improving a lot for the first couple of years and then I went on placement in 2017 um I was my on placement in London from my course and so I was training with Ealing um and that was my first year I won the British Championships and then obviously the next year was Commonwealth Games and Europeans and um I think it was a combination of being on big teams for the first time and maybe being a bit overwhelmed. So I wasn't as close to my best, but not PBing. And I wanted that big drop kind of at the major meet, which I didn't quite get. Um, but also I'd like, you know, my dissertation was due that year. I had final exams sort of as soon as I got back from Commonwealth Games. So I think there was just a lot going on and first time making big teams. And I think looking back considering what I had going on I think I actually did a really good job in the moment um and obviously you can't expect to PB every time you swim and but because I had been the previous few years I think that was my expectation and so I may have been like 0.3 off my PB and that was disappointing because I expected to PB and I didn't so I get that guess that was just a bit of a like a reality check yeah no, you seem to be um you seem to be approaching these maybe these these difficult times in your career really sort of rationally and you don't seem to be somebody that gets emotionally invested. I mean you, you maybe plateaued a little bit at Commonwealth Games or what have you and it's it wasn't like oh, I wanna I wanna give up swimming at all. Is that something that you think is um is something that younger swimmers should perhaps consider slightly more when they have a bad swim or maybe a difficult year? Yeah, I think, you know, when you're young, you do have big drops. Um, and so it can be quite disappointing when you have a year where you don't PB because you expect to just keep dropping time. But I mean, if everyone just kept dropping time, they'd be at zero seconds and that's impossible. So um, <laughs> you kind of have to accept that you're not always going to PB and some years it's harder than others. But then, you know, your time will eventually come where you just drop like a second and you're not really expecting it. And that's kind of what you do all that work for at those moments um and I think when you do have hard times where you're, you feel like you're not improving it makes the times where you do have big drops even more special and so it's just about working through those and knowing that your time will come but also being honest with like your coaches and kind of reassessing like why is this not working anymore do we need to change something and you know if you just keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, isn't that like the definition of insanity or something? Yeah, 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 th yeah I think so, actually. Yeah, I think stupidity is the one where if you make the same mistake twice, you're stupid. But I mm. think that's the definition of insanity. So, yeah, yeah you've got that right for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you had any... Um... Have you had any of those moments, though, in your career um, where you have shocked yourself with how fast you've gone? You've done a swim and you were like, God, I didn't realise I was in that shape. What is there any of those moments that stick out? Yeah, I think my so I went to America September 2018, and that was obviously after kind of I'd 
maybe plotted a little bit that year. And so I wasn't necessarily expecting to drop big times very quickly, but, you know, I'd been trying to get under 25 seconds for the, since 2017, when I won the British championships in 25-0 and like, you know, British champs, Commonwealth, Europeans, I was like, okay, this is the time I'm going to break 25. And then, um, I had a, I went to the U S open in November. So I'd only been training in America for two months and then just a random competition. We weren't like tapered and we were, we were just doing it. And then I went to 24, nine. I was like, Oh, wow. <laughs> I just did that. That's and then, um, I guess for the rest of that year, like I was dropping a lot of time. And when it came to worlds, I dropped, I think 0.5 on my 50 and 0.8 on my hundred. And so that was just a really like high point for me, just like touching the wall and seeing the time and being like shocked at sort of that I'd done that. Yeah. God, that that's absolutely brilliant. It was I mean, the sense of satisfaction must have just been for all that hard work to pay off must have been brilliant. Yeah. Um you sort of touched on it. I mean, we may as well talk about it. Um you you went out and you did your masters, you finished at Bath and you went out and did your masters in America at the University of Arkansas. Um, am I right in saying that the coach, I think, uh, Neil Harper, is that right? He's, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he was a, you know, British Olympian, 1984, 1988. You know, was he the, one of the main reasons for you going there or were there other big factors that drove you there? Yeah, it was quite a weird one actually, because it was while I was at Ealing on my placement year. Like, I feel like my whole swimming journey has just been really random. Like, I'll just get, like, I went to Ealing for a year and then I got the connection <laughs> to go to America which is not something I'd ever considered before. And I feel like I've just taken every opportunity and it seems to have worked out. But, um, but it, seems to, it seems to be, you, you got your Olympic kit the other day. It yeah, yeah. But yeah, um, Neil knew one of my coaches at Ealing and got in contact and just, he knew I was graduating the following year and he just asked if I'd be interested in going out there and doing a master's um, and swimming for two years. Um, Obviously, that would have taken me to 2020, which at the time was like, that's a good goal to have. Just swim for two more years, see how far I can get. Um, and so Neil sort of, because he, he's British, he does come back a fair bit. And he came back and watched me swim at uh, Commonwealth Trials, I think it was. Um, and he like started to create a list of all like the things I could improve on on my stroke. And so just talking to him like he had so many ideas he saw so much potential in me but he also knew exactly what we needed to do to improve and that was just quite exciting for me to hear that um and also because I was graduating from Bath I didn't have a job lined up I didn't really have a plan for after Bath and so it just seemed like the perfect opportunity really and to do a master's as well and have it all funded like I just didn't it seemed like you know I had nothing to lose I may as well go out there I I really didn't think that the swimming would do as well as it has um you know I just thought I'll be a great experience to swim in America you know hopefully I can drop some time but to kind of get to where I am now is is kind of beyond what I expected yeah God, that's great what what um what were the main things that uh Neil suggested to you um which were you know means by which you could improve what were those big factors I think one of the biggest ones was my breathing which I've kind of always known is a bit messy like I kind of look way too far behind and that kind of makes my whole body like you know 
move in the wrong way and then you're not very streamlined and whatever so that was a huge thing that he was going to work on and then he also saw things in my turn that I could improve on my underwaters break like there was just I can't remember how many points he had it was like 20 or something all these little things ah. like head position like entry for my hand like just all these little things that he was like if we improve each of them that could be like you know it could add up to like one percent or two percent or whatever they're all tiny little things but in the grand scheme of things could make a huge difference and so I just really liked that he was so technical and had sort of really picked apart my stroke yeah and to have a coach that's uh British British themselves who knows the British system and knows you know the meets the target that must have been um that must have been a big benefit as well yeah that was quite a big thing for me actually because I obviously knew I wanted to come back for British champs in April but also British champs in like short course champs in December and I think sometimes if you're going out to America they don't understand the calendar the comp because it's obviously very different for the, from the what the US do and obviously you have NCAAs which are end of March and so trying to then back that up with trials I had to kind of you know I, I obviously swam I wanted to swim well at NCAAs but the, the focus was always trials and my taper was always like gauged towards trials and you know Neil was completely that was what he planned he never expected that I would be wanting to just taper for NCAAs and just see how trials went like the focus was always to swim the best at trials and so to have that understanding from the get-go and not having to like say it or ask for it um was just really comforting really yeah and um just you touched on it there about the NCAAs what is it it seems like it's absolutely crazy to compete there it seems like a great atmosphere um we don't really have anything like that in the UK uh we have books but I imagine they're, they're quite different um <laughs> what um what what's it like competing there that must have been absolutely brilliant you, uh, did you compete there it was just the once was it did the second year get cut short uh, but what, yeah. what was it like yeah it was amazing like it was really sad that I didn't get to do the second year because first year I'd come second in the 100 free and fifth in the 50 free and I really just wanted to see like how far I could get the second year like it was going to be really close like between quite a few of us it was just going to be a really good race um but it's it's such an amazing atmosphere to be part of like you have I don't know how many teams there's a lot of teams and everyone is just crowded around on poolside like lined up along the entire pool and like there's so much noise and like people like banging drums and people got face paint on and it's so loud and I guess in British competitions you don't have that because you don't you're not allowed athletes on the poolside like right next to the lanes but in this, like, it was just a wall of noise and every, all the teams had their different chants. Um, and so it's just like, yeah, it's just a great thing to be part of, really. And actually, um, SECs, which is like the conference champs before NCAAs, SEC is one of the only conferences that has boys and girls together. And so that was, like, even louder because NCAAs were just girls. Um, but both of them, they just, like, bring out the best of you, really, because it's such a great atmosphere. 
Yeah, yeah, I bet. I mean, I suppose that's an, that's um, not just swimming. It's the whole sort of student-athlete culture in America. They, they, It seems to be like college sport over there is such a big thing. Um, how did you um, enjoy the – what did you think of the, the sort of the American university experience? Did you manage to mix a lot with non-swimmers or were you guys sort of, you know, because you're always training together, did you always mix with them? How did that sort of work? Uh, for me, it was very much like just the swimmers, really. Um, so if I'd like been an undergrad going in your first year, you, you'd go into like equivalent of halls and there you mix with, but they're still student athlete halls. So you would mix with other student athletes, but not necessarily other students. But then obviously in classes and stuff, you'd mix with students. But I guess because um, I was doing a master's, my classes were a lot smaller and it was mainly like, um, you know, like, they call them grad assistants, but they're like uh, coaches or assistant coaches or SNC coaches or whatever. So it was all very like sport orientated. And then the student athletes had their own dining hall. The swimmers had their own like chill out lounge. Um, wow, so I was God. very much like in this student athlete bubble. We had our own study area. So you didn't really come into contact with like most of the rest of the student body, which I think maybe for undergrad I would have found quite strange like a lot of my uni friends from Bath are not swimmers or or athletes or anything so I would have found that quite strange I think if I'd done it for my undergrad but for my master's it worked really well just because my whole life was swimming and I think that's what it needed to be for me to get the performances I did and I lived with a swimmer we ate dinner together in the dining hall with all the swimmers we obviously trained together and then between classes or between dinner or lunch or whatever you would just sit in like the swimmers lounge area so <laughs> it was all just very contained you had everything you needed um and it was just very easy to kind of be committed to swimming yeah I suppose that's exactly what you needed though in those in the two years or three years as well two years leading up to what was supposed to be the Olympics. And then I suppose that sort of dedication must be important. Um, it, it's, it's just more generally, um, it was Arkansas, wasn't it, the, where you yeah. were at? I mean, I th- it, that seems to be a state which, it, I mean, it's not one where most where many British tourists would go on holiday. You know, when you think about going to America, you think California, New York, Florida, those type of places. Arkansas is sort of um, in the south. So I think Louisiana's below it, like Oklahoma, Mississippi, border and places like yeah. that. Um, what What's it like? Did you manage to get out and see a lot of the state at all? Or what's, what's the place like? Yeah, it's quite it's quite a strange state in that it's it's a lot of just open space. Like it's it's called like the the natural state is it's like, I guess, name or whatever. So it's, there's a lot of like natural beauty, a lot of um, hills, valleys kind of we did a bit of exploring like a lot of waterfalls and nice drives through just open, just like nothing. There's just nothing there. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like the, the actual town where the university was, was obviously like a reasonable kind of city or town area. It wasn't a huge kind of place to be, I guess. Um, and maybe if I was, choosing to go for four years like and wanted a university experience you know it's it is it is there's not loads going on which was great for me because I could just focus on swimming and like I wasn't really interested in kind of yeah going out and doing this doing that 
Um, but like your nearest biggest city was probably Dallas, which was four hour drive away, which is obviously very different to like being in the UK where you've probably got a city, you know, 30 minutes from you, if that. Um, and so that was quite different. But um, it was like, it was really good to be there because I don't think it was some, it would be somewhere I would visit like if I sort of hadn't been there before. Like I probably would have yeah. gone to the typical places a UK tourist would go to. And so it was nice to experience yeah. something different. Yeah, I bet. And um, the swimmers on the team, were they mostly American? Were there any international students um, on the swim team as well? It was predominantly American swimmers, but there was a there was one girl from Mexico. Um, there was like a diver from Italy, a diver from Egypt. I know that now they've got a couple others from uh, different countries. So you do get like a handful from uh, different countries, but predominantly US. Yeah. God, great, and um, yeah, that, that I mean that must have been that must have been absolutely brilliant. A uh, couple of years out there, how did I mean? Obviously, unfortunately like the whole world we all had our worlds turned upside down you probably more than anybody because you had to get somehow from america in a in a global pandemic uh, back home how was it getting home i mean was it was it an easy thing to get plane tickets during that time or it must have been pretty hectic yeah it was definitely a very stressful few days and to be honest i had it easy so my parents and my brother were also out there with me because they were going to watch me at ncaa's and then my mum and dad had done a bit of traveling before they got to Arkansas. And then my brother kind of flew in a bit later, did a bit of traveling, came to Arkansas. They were obviously going to go to NCAAs and then my brother was going to come back to Arkansas and we were going to like just explore a little bit. And so we had it all planned out. And then obviously when NCAAs were canceled, initially it was like my brother and dad were all, you know, whoever, maybe my mum was still going to maybe do a bit of traveling. Um, and then it kind of became apparent that Trump was maybe going to close the borders. Everything was closing. There's literally no point traveling because no restaurants or bars will be opening. And like, you won't be able to stay anywhere. And so it kind of, as the day went on, we realized like, we need to book flights home like now. And luckily, <laughs> like Neil was great. And he was talking with like the admin people, uh, logistics people at Arkansas, and they like booked, um, initially booked me and my mum flights. And then my mum was on the phone to my brother, like, do you want a flight? Like, you need to tell us now we can get you one on the same flight, but you need to decide like, cause he was still umming and ahhing whether we wanted to travel more and stuff. And eventually we decided, right, let's all four of us go on this flight and get home. But my brother was actually in Nashville at the time. So he then had to somehow get to Arkansas. He didn't have a car. So my mum and dad drove to Memphis and my brother got a, a, a one of them Greyhound buses to meet them in Memphis. And so they drove through the night. I think it was like six hours to get there. Picked him up and drove six hours back. Got back the morning God. just in time to like then go straight to the airport to get our flight. And so I'd had like a nice night's sleep, like <laughs> while they were traveling through the night to get my brother. So yeah, it was very, very hectic, but we were all on the flight. And once it took off, we were like, okay, we're okay. <laughs> we're going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that sounds absolutely crazy. That I mean, there's a few lockdown getaway stories. I, I was in London, I had to come home and the, the Houston station was packed, but um, 
that was the limit of my experience. But compared to yours, God, that, that sounds absolutely crazy. Yeah, exactly. So where did you yeah so did you go did you go back home home is that where where is um where did you spend lockdown so my parents live in leek um which so in i basically went back there but then for the first week before lockdown happened i was training in loughborough which is crazy now when you think about it like i just flew back from america and at that point like no one was wearing masks on the plane no one needed testing when they arrived in the country i went straight into training and there's just like <laughs> no one was aware of really what was going on and it was just like now you look back and you're like that would not happen now <laughs> but um, yeah you'd have to yeah. do about 15 tests and get, get a vaccine or whatever yeah, yeah yeah but after that week training and then obviously lockdown happened i locked down at home for however long it was eight weeks or something and just where my parents live it's really rural so like a lot of places to like run and cycle and um I'd do gym in the garden and all that so it was quite a nice place to lock down brilliant and I suppose though um you um therefore your graduation from yeah from Arkansas must have been back at home uh, probably just handed in a piece of work on a Thursday afternoon in your own bedroom that's probably how you finished your master's um how, how you did you do both your undergrad and your master's in uh, sports science is that right yeah yeah so in America they call it kinesiology but it's essentially sports science yeah okay cool and how as I mean obviously that's you know, there's links to your career with that. Do you incorporate any of your knowledge from your degrees into your approach to training at all? I guess a little bit in terms of what I do myself with like nutrition and recovery. I kind of know, you know, what's good, like what will work for me, um, kind of nutritional contents of things. Like I just kind of know from what I've studied. Um but I guess with like swimming specific things, which I guess is a lot of like biomechanics and physiology, I, that's kind of a bit beyond what we covered because obviously it's very swimming specific. So I do find it interesting, like all the kind of, since moving to Loughborough, especially like we obviously, they take lactates when we're doing a hard set or I monitor my HRV um, to see when like, you know, I may be going through like a bit of a dip or whatever. Um, and so I find that quite interesting. I quite like the data from it. Um, but obviously, the people that are analysing it, that's way beyond me. <laughs> <laughs> Is that something that you um, would like to go into, that type of thing, to use your degree? Or have you got any plans for how you're going to sort of um, yeah, use your education after swimming? Yeah, I'm, I probably wouldn't go into elite sport um mainly because you're kind of limited to usually one sport or just one small group of people um I'd probably more go into like something health related I'm quite interested in like different therapies um or just general public health like changing health perceptions um okay but I'm not 100% sure what that looks like as a yeah. job and if I need an extra qualification to go into something like that yeah what was your um because you said about you did a placement in London what was your placement in 
So I, I was working with a company called Sports Integrated and they were a, a sports consultancy and they did oh, okay. work with compression and um, nutrition brands to help them with like marketing, comparing like brands that they were obviously competing with. Um, and I predominantly worked with the compression side of it. And so their main um, brand was Skins Compression. And so we did a lot of testing for them um looked at like what was available in different brands and kind of compared and being like this is the next big thing like what where could you go and so that was really interesting i did really like that that, that sounds that sounds really really cool yeah it was good it's a good placement yeah so whereabouts in um in london were you staying were you staying around ealing or whereabouts yeah so as once i got my placement i then was like okay where am i going to swim um, and my coach at Bath had recommended Ealing. And so it was a bit complicated working out, like how was I going to get to work and how was I going to get to swimming? Because also like we didn't just train in one pool. There was like three different pools we used across London. And so it was working out how to get to each one from work um, things like that. And so I lived in Ealing and I was like 10 minutes drive. I didn't have a car, but I'd get the bus to the pool. Um and then, so I'd usually train like, I think it was five till seven. And then I'd work it from nine, which would be in um, in Eton. Like that's where the leisure center was. So I'd have to get the train from Ealing to Slough. And then I would, I had like a fold away bike and I biked from Slough to the leisure center, which is where the company was. Um, and then, and then I'd just like have to get different trains, different buses, bike bits to get to wherever the training was that day. So it was very complicated. That's uh, yeah. I'll tell you what, Anna. Right, if anybody ever complains about their training <laughs> situation again after listening to this, that they just yeah. If I, I'll I'll only ever show them this uh this podcast. God, I mean, you 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 are showing though that I mean, I suppose you know, it doesn't matter what obstacles you have in the way you have obviously you know into sports consulting you've got a master's incredibly successful academically you know maybe you know some people you know would not imagine somebody um who's not as tall as the rest to be competing with them all these different things that you've had to to come over you stopped swimming when you were a teenager um yeah you definitely show that a bit of um perseverance goes a long way in the sport yeah i think like it's weird when you say it because like when I look back I don't really see like all the obstacles I'll just see like oh, I've had so many great opportunities that I've taken and I guess that's it really like if you see it as an opportunity rather than an obstacle then you kind of approach it in a different way and if you want something bad enough like there's always solutions to it like when I was working um on my placement uh, my boss was amazing he knew he knew I swam and if I was a bit late to work or I had to leave a bit early that was fine and then I could also use the gym in the leisure center like at lunch if I needed to get a gym session in um, and then some days we'd be working from home so that was good with training things like that so I think you know if you are honest with the people around you like they want to help you and there's solutions to things. God, yeah, no that's absolutely brilliant. Um, how did you find living in London? Did you like it? Were you are you are you attracted by the capital, or would you would you not fancy going back there? I actually I loved it when I was living there. Um, I managed to find a re like 
obviously rent can be really expensive in London. I managed to find, it was a very, very tiny room, but I lived with really nice people um, and they had a really big like living space. So that was fine. Um, and then, cause I, like most courses in Bath do a placement and a lot of my friends were doing placements in London the same year I was. So it was quite nice to know other people in London and um, it was just really social. It was so easy to get into the city center, which I thought was great. And it was just a different lifestyle I hadn't experienced before. Um, I don't know if I would want to live like in London again, just because it is so expensive. It's so, it's quite hard to get from like one end of London to the other. It's like an hour. So you feel like oh, I yeah. live in London, but you can't, it's quite hard to access all of it. And it's like, oh, I know a friend that lives in London, but they live like an hour and a half away on the train. <laughs> and so it's quite hard That's to like meet true. up with a lot of people. Um, a lot yeah. of my friends now live in Bristol, which because they went to Union Bath, it makes sense. And so that's kind of still got the city vibe, but obviously a bit smaller. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, yeah, I think me some people can love absolutely everything about London and then see the uh, the Northern Line at, at 9am in the morning and consider, yeah, think, no, not a chance. Yeah. How about um, How about America? Would you ever consider going back there, maybe for swimming? maybe to work out there is there is there a green card on the horizon or would you not consider it <laughs> no <laughs> um i don't i wouldn't write off going to america again obviously i do want to travel because i feel like i haven't seen as much of america as i would like to considering i live there for like almost two years um but actually being out there made me miss the uk more because everything here is so accessible like you can live you know, I live in Loughborough, but I could get to London in an hour and 20 or I can drive home in an hour or I can see friends in Manchester in a couple hours. Everything's just like accessible, whereas in America, it's like you could have to get a flight to see someone in another state or drive for like seven hours to get to another state to like experience that state. And I think that kind of like makes people just kind of stick where they are, like in the state they are or they just travel around the few states that border it. And so it just kind of made me appreciate the variety of places we have in the UK and how accessible they all are. Yeah, for sure. We are, um, when you put it like that, you, you, we're definitely more lucky than we are. Uh... We give ourselves we, we give ourselves credit for. Um, I just I mean back onto uh, you were talking about obviously your, your placement. I'll give you a little bit of an opportunity to plug something here, uh, Anna. You, it's, apparently, you're a, a nutrition ex ambassador. Yeah. Is, is that right? What what what's that? What how did you get involved with that? And what, tell us a bit more about it. So nutrition X is quite a new company. Um, they've kind of really expanded over the last year, and since I came back to the UK last year. Um, the nutritionist in Loughborough kind of approached me and he said that he's been working with Nutrition X and he thinks they're a great um, nutrition brand and all their products um, are in form sport tested, which is obviously really important for me. And he said they were looking for ambassadors. And so I kind of just chatted to them and I really, I guess because having a sports science background and knowing a bit about nutrition, I kind of, like they were just saying how they're like, do their own research around every supplement and they publish their own articles about the benefits of different supplements. And I really like that, like, especially, I guess from my placement, like 
it's annoying when brands use other brands research to say that their supplement does this this and this but they use another brand's research and so the fact that nutrition x do their own research i really like that um and obviously their range is also very uncomplicated they have like they don't have as many um different kind of products but you know that all the products are there for a reason and they're really good quality so it just makes everything simpler yeah god but yeah um, it this sounds like um anybody can um uh, everybody should go check it out if they get the chance that's for sure yeah, um, I, have in a, terms uh, of... I have a discount code in my instagram bio if you want it. okay <laughs> well everybody go to Anna's... Yeah. <laughs> shameless plug i love it Anna. i love it yeah everybody go to Anna's uh instagram and um yeah give her a follow that's for sure um in terms of in terms of your nutrition um is there any have, has that changed as you've got more serious in in the sport um or do you have any sort of rules that you stick by with your nutrition is it, is it right that you have a maybe a mostly vegetarian diet is that correct yeah um yeah. How, how do you how do you approach it so to be honest i only really went vegetarian and i say vegetarian but i'm like i don't think anyone should be pigeonholed into i'm a vegetarian or yeah. i'm not like if i'm at a restaurant and i fancy eating meat like i'm not going to restrict that because you have to be one or the other like I just prefer a vegetarian diet most of the time and actually a lot of that was when I was out in America it I tried to be vegetarian while I was out there but it's so hard because they don't really often have like good protein options for vegetarians and so I felt like I had to eat meat which I kind of like didn't like the fact that I didn't really have a choice and then um I guess like almost the waste and overconsumption out there like just I don't know it just resonated me and with me and so when I came back and I actually had the option to kind of go vegetarian I decided I wanted to um but like I always make sure I have a really good source of protein in every meal which I think is extra important for a vegetarian so I have a lot of like corn um products um and then like I guess until like maybe when I got more into my degree and stuff, I always thought that if I had like protein powder and stuff, I was just going to get really massive. And so I like kind of steered away from taking like having protein powder or having protein bars because I didn't want to get really big, <laughs> which we're now <laughs> looking back. I'm like, that's so stupid. <laughs> like I was so under <laughs> and everything. like protein is just so essential and you just it just like fuels you and it helps you recover and like I don't know like that was a yeah. stupid like thing to think but now I'm more informed like I always make sure I like have protein powder or, or protein bars like after I've trained just to kind of refuel and recover. And how do you feel since sort of transitioning to this vegetarian diet do you feel any difference at all? Um, I don't think I feel like majorly different I don't I definitely it's definitely not a negative impact and I think I guess a veg vegetarian diet in general is probably a lot lower in fat which is good um and so long as you've got really good sources of protein then kind of having a really high protein slightly lower fat diet is probably pretty good really for where I want to be like body composition wise and feeling strong um like it just kind of works for me yeah god that's yeah that's um I mean there seems to be a obviously more recently a big 
well, not a, a big transition, but more people are moving to those types of uh, diets which cut out meat more. And um, yeah, it's really interesting to hear the perspective of an elite athlete because there is a lot of things out there about, you know, lower energy, as you said, less protein, but you're sort of showing the... Um, showing that you can do it on these uh, on a on a vegetarian diet which is brilliant um in terms of just at the moment um you're in Loughborough you're not studying anymore um how have you found it this year uh, without the studies um with the ability to just solely focus on your swimming in the build-up to Tokyo has that been um a refreshing um you know opening up of time for you to just focus on swimming or do you miss the uh, the academic side of life um, I guess a bit of both, really. Like, I've definitely found I have more time, but then also, I guess we're quite lucky in Loughborough or being at a national centre. Like, you don't have to train ridiculously early, which means your day is just a bit shorter anyway. So, you don't necessarily have a load of time in the middle, which usually you would obviously be in classes and things. Um, I have done a couple of online courses just to kind of like keep me ticking over and just. You know, if I am bored and don't just want to like watch Netflix, then I've got something to keep me busy. Um, I've also like my New Year's resolution was to read more. So I've got I've got through quite a few books this year, which I'm like, if I find myself just mindlessly watching Netflix, I'm not really focusing on like, OK, put it away, get a book. And then you actually <laughs> focus on doing something and you're not just like scrolling through your phone while watching Netflix, which is just a terrible habit. <laughs> <laughs> which um what what type of books are you interested in what what type of books have you been reading um a bit of everything really like I've I've read kind of a couple of I guess like sports psychology type books like uh, Matthew Sides does like bounce I've read that um and then there was like a lot of kind of I guess fiction books just like thrillers I quite like just anything that's going to like keep me turning a page just keep me hooked yeah like I hate when you start reading yeah. a book and you're just not invested in it and you just kind of feel like you just have to finish it for the sake of it yeah that's it you feel I've, I've got so far now I can't yeah. I can't put it down but yeah I mean that I'd, I'd reckon I wish that I'd re I've read uh, Bounce myself it's it's absolutely brilliant I wish I'd read that when I was younger, because it really does um, sort of speak to the power of practice. That's the whole book. And it's got a ton of brilliant examples um, of, of, I think they talk about the Williams sisters. They talk about uh, Tiger Woods, people like that, who've just practiced immensely um, at, at, their, at their craft, I suppose, and got and got to the, the top um, of the game. Um, yep, yeah, that must have been, I, I mean, because I suppose you did start as a young swimmer, but you had your time off. Um, what? How did that sort of, you know, that that book impact you? Did that give you extra motivation to do the little things better, or how did that change you? Yeah, it's quite interesting because, like, I loved reading the book and I found it really interesting. And there's obviously, you know, he talks about like the ten thousand hours thing and and all that. Um, but I do think about like my sort of swimming journey and like I obviously having taken that break you know I guess maybe I just like peaked later because it took me longer to get to that point maybe or I do wonder like do you have to do the 10,000 hours like in your sport or can you like translate from other sports and like yeah. learn from those which I think you yeah. can like I definitely think you can like 
do multiple sports and get benefits from all of them and they all integrate together um but yeah obviously and then there's also a lot to be said about you know if you just train more when you're younger and then are obviously better when you're younger but then you kind of like burn out like that's probably not the ideal scenario like it's better to kind of think about the long term and just have a gradual progression throughout kind of your teenage years at least in swimming anyway I like I know with some sports you might have to retire by the time you're 18 or 20 so you do maybe have to be more serious more more quickly but I think with swimming when a lot of people are you know maybe hitting their peak at like 22 you can kind of afford to take a more gradual approach yeah yeah no that that's absolutely fascinating how um that's absolutely fascinating approach i suppose to how you could maybe translate as you said your gymnastics and your other sports must have really really benefited you in the uh in the long run yeah that's absolutely brilliant in terms of um just now sort of looking for looking past the olympics a little bit have you got any plans for the isl we are obviously uh, doing this on behalf of isl news have you got any um yeah have you got a team lined up at all could you tell us anything about it have you got any ideas or are you just focusing on the olympics for now yeah i mean i guess the main obviously the the big focus is the olympics but you know i really want to be part of isl next season um i guess i know as much as you do about what team i could end up on you know we'll find <laughs> the first round on what is it the 21st or something and then the draft after so it's quite exciting just to see how it'll all mix up to be honest i think it's just whatever team I'm on, it's an opportunity to race. And I think with it coming quite soon after the Olympics, it's just going to be a kind of relaxed and sort of pressure-free environment and just see how see how fast we can swim, really. Yeah, great. Well, Anna, thank you so much for coming on. I've just got one more question to wrap it up. Uh, we ask this to everyone. When you've, um, you know, obviously in the very distant future, we hope, when you have... Um, hung up your goggles and retired from the sport is there anything by that point that you want to look back on and see that you've achieved in the sport um I think I just want to know that I've enjoyed being in the moment like I don't want to sort of look back and think oh I, d I didn't really enjoy actually being at the Olympics because I was too nervous or just I don't know, like just didn't enjoy the moment. And I want to, I've actually, I bought a notebook, which I want to like write things okay. down while I'm at the Olympics, like thoughts and feelings. So when I look back at it, I can be like, oh yeah, I remember that. Um, so I kind of want to know that I enjoyed it in the moment rather than looking back and trying to remember how I was feeling at that time. Yeah. So is that notebook just for the Olympics or have you already been making notes in it at the minute? No, it's blank at the minute. I, I didn't know whether to like do it in, in the prep point as well. Like I don't usually yeah. write stuff down. I don't like keep a diary or anything. I just thought this would be a good thing to do. But I haven't quite thought about how I'm going to do it yet. So probably need to, yeah, decide that. That would be brilliant. I, I tell you what, Anna, if you, uh, if you do end up writing down in it and you win a couple of uh, medals, that will be worth a lot of money <laughs> yeah. in the distant future, that notebook, that's for sure. <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, Anna, you've been absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. We're obviously all so happy that you've done so well this season and you're off to Tokyo. Uh, we'll be looking and we'll be watching you very, very closely over there. 
best of luck for the Olympics. And yeah, take care of yourself. Oh, thank you very much. It was great to chat. Thank you for listening to an episode of the Swim Special. Everybody here at ISL News greatly appreciates it. Do not forget to catch us on whatever platform you use to hear your podcasts. And also give us a follow on Instagram at iSwimLeague.com underscore news that's where you can find all the best content about swimming in particular the isl and the upcoming isl season three we're going to be putting the videos of these podcasts onto youtube as well as clips and also we're going to be putting those clips onto instagram as well so don't forget to catch us there thanks very much for listening it's greatly appreciated cheers